You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowance and I'm joined, as always, after a match for the post-match debrief with Matt Kendrick. I'm giddy with excitement. Aston Villa have ended their four-game winless. That's the word. Oh, I'll just explain it before we came on that I'm all over the place. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Aston Villa won at Goodison Park. Stephen Gerrard sticking his tongue out to the away end and, and giving, it the, giving it the big one to the cameras. Absolutely love it, don't we? Oh, brilliant! It was a, it was. I think it goes down in the very cliche, but goes down in the in the final marked, you know, classic away performance. Yeah, wasn't it really. You know, it was. Um, I think it was. I was on a, on an Everton post, loaned out to an Everton podcast. Um, yesterday, there's a, a colleague of mine, Matt, who's a, a big Evertonian, and um, I thought I jinxed it for us because I thought I said to him, I can't see us losing. I can't see us going well, I said there. I said that before kick off today, weirdly at home. I said, oh, we won't lose today. We'll be all right somehow. I said, I think we'll win, but I can't see us losing. I thought, uh oh, I've come across a bit cocky. And then I, then I, at the end, I delivered some kind of sentimental message about, don't worry, Everton's a great club. They'll be back back where, where Villa are. And I thought, probably only about five points above them, aren't we? Or we were. <laughs> but it sounded a bit patronising, um, which was meant heartfelt to say, listen, they're going through crap times, you know. Not sure about the ownership there and that kind of thing, but um, yeah, I thought it, I thought I thought we played very well. I thought if you put, if you put Big Dunk in charge as caretaker manager, you know what you're going to get. And I think I heard the commentator saying that he stuck some money behind the bars of um, some of the local some of the local pubs, which I thought was a nice gesture. But um, you know that's that's all, all, all they're going to get from from him today, I think, because Villa Villa went there and did a proper job on them. Um, yeah, I would say I would say professional is probably the word I'd use, and I think we did make hard work of it at times. And Everton have missed chances where you know better finishing, and we we we, lose, we draw that game or lose it. Um, and that's like every game, isn't it? If the side takes the chances, they get they get some points out of it. Um, but yeah, professional is is very easy to look at how they've been this season. If it was still Benitez, you'd go there and win, and you think, yeah, well, that's to be expected, really, in, in the state they're in at the moment. But you knew that the crowd were going to be right up, right up for it. Ian Robertson there says it was like a derby, a scrappy game. It did have that feel to it, and I think um, Darren Fletcher on, comment, on commentary said that he had a nice feel to the game. He said two or three times in the first half, but it, that was a good way to describe it. It felt like both sides were right up for it, and that was a potential banana skin for Villa, really. And then if you five win five games without a win so to go there get the goal on a stroke half time and, and keep the clean sheet in the second half as well professional performance I think yes I think Goodison's brilliant for that kind of game as well mm. it's like proper proper old, old school ramshackle but real corner can get bouncing and Villa did that to had to go go and compete because that was the least that that, that Duncan Ferguson was going to ask for for, for them yeah. for Everton to show a reaction and a response and I think you know it was, I and mean, you mentioned it, didn't you, in the intro about Gerard just having that little kind of little bit of cheekiness and a little bit of a, you know, I think at half time, we would have just scored on a stroke of half time, the pan close to him, didn't they? And he was staring down, you know, <laughs> 5,000 Everton fans. Um, and it's, it's so every bit, whatever Duncan Ferguson would have said to get the Everton players up for it pre match, Stephen Gerard would have been able to do exactly the same. And have, with respect to Big Dunk, probably have a little bit more um, managerial nose, tactical nose, and a better understanding of exactly what he wants from his team as well. And in the side, more quality. We're just a better side than Everton at the moment. Well, yeah, uh, I think I think that that's fair. I think until until the, the lad Anthony Gordon came on, who I think 
you know, obviously playing playing on uh, adrenaline as well, being being a local lad for them. He was it was probably till he came on that, that you know he, he injected a bit of quality into the game. Um, and I thought he, you know, I thought the story was was written, might be written for him to come and, and, and magic something up. But fortunately, that that wasn't the case. But yeah, we are a better team than, than, than Ever- Everton. Um, I think you know done the done the double over them now uh, with yeah. two two slightly different looking Villa teams um, home and away. And it was like I say, it was an all round all round good performance. And the last twenty, I think Matty Cash just been on the telly saying this much as well. They really had to dig in. Uh, yeah. He described it as doing the horrible stuff, and they they did do it, and they they stood up strong. Um, Gerard made made the sensible solutions, didn't he? Taking mm-hmm. Watkins off so that that he could have a you know fresh pair of legs in innings. Um, Coutinho going off as well. I mean, I think Coutinho is pretty ineffective to be honest, just because the ball wasn't at the feet of anybody very long. Very pin ball, wasn't it? In, in there, yeah. it's very hard to keep control of possession, and it, you know you want someone who's got quality on, on the ball to, to kind of ping things around when, yeah. when you've got the ball. When it's a bit bitty and back and forth, Coutinho is ineffective. Was the word I was going to go for? Yeah, agreed. And um, like I said, I think the, the 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 changes that he made were good changes. Chukamaka coming on and giving a little bit more. You know, strength, I suppose, and, and and you know, helping Villa compete physically, and then throwing an extra defender on with Courtney at, at, at the end. Um, so it was, it was, it was well managed. It could have, it, it could have been a draw, to be fair, because the you know Villa Villa had the best of the first half chances, Everton had the best of the, the second yeah. half chances. But the goal, I just thought I keep watching it back. It was, um, I think, I think Darren Fletcher, the the commentator, or, or Jay Humphries at half-time said, you know, you, BT Sport have got this special app or something or this extra thing where you can watch things from different angles. I thought, yeah, I might, I might have a bit of that just to watch that goal from different <laughs> angles because it was it was quality. It was, you know, probably the littlest man on the on, on the pitch or one of the littlest, littlest men on the pitch. And to get the ball into the top corner from that position, yeah. the, you know, the run to find space, the, the awareness to know kind of where the goal was in relation to to him the delivery from from Lucas Dean was um that was quality it was the moment of quality and I'm biased yeah. the time. it was the moment of quality that deserved to win that game that was lacking in quality really yeah but weirdly I've only watched it back I didn't go back and watch it on BT's app a few times but watching the match coverage and I show it two or three times obviously I almost felt like the way um Pickford dived was weird like it was almost like he dived back, this acrobatic kind of throw a hand back to save it. Whereas it almost feels like he could have took a step back and caught it the way it like lobbed over him. But yeah, obviously a great goal, cracking finish, and the smallest don't, man on don't the pitch. Don't Pickford's touch. That was the one that took it beyond beyond <laughs> yeah, yeah. into the top just corner. Weird, just weird. Um, why is it that because Wendy has had a couple of decent chances from headers, and you look at him and you think he's five foot eight? Why is you know six foot six Tara Mings not not getting on the on the end of stuff like that? What is that? Do they underestimate that the small guy? Does he nip around? Was that just a silly cliche? Well, I'm glad that you raised the subject of uh, Emmy Buendia's height because you just said he's five foot eight. The chant describes him as five foot seven in football heaven. I wanted to check this out because I'm a stickler for facts. I don't even think he's five seven. (laughs) Well, I looked at Wiki and so Wiki have him down as five foot eight. And 1.72, so one meter 72 centimeters. 
And so the one meter seventy-two is consistent with whatever profile you look of Emmy Buendia. Somebody might be able to find one from South America or whatever, but he's one he's one meter seventy-two centimeters. But whenever I whenever I do the the conversion, that comes that comes out at five five point six four. Which surely you round that down? No, surely is he always five foot six and a half? No. He's five foot six and a half. Yeah, I don't think you can I mean, get away with saying that's five foot seven. I don't want to ruin the chant. I mean, I don't think we need to get five. this this involved in it. To be honest, I don't think that it matters that much. It's weird. Well, I, think that, I think that's, I think this is what bamboozles people who are trying to mark him from corners, thinking is he actually five foot seven. Well, this is the thing in the the olden days of when we actually went out and spoke to people. I always used to say that I was five foot eight. And I was told that to somebody once, and I was like, no, you're more like, more like six foot. And I said, well, I'm definitely not six foot. Maybe I'm more like five ten. And I measured myself, and I was five ten. But I always said five eight for some reason. But then I look at Buendia and think, well, I'm way taller than him. So I'm not even I'm not even sure he's five seven either. I'd say he's more like five five. I think this is in danger of becoming a 20, 28, 29 kind of. Uh... <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I think we're um, in that territory. But let's get, let's get back to the match. Sorry. In answer to your question, I do think perhaps... He wouldn't get the same attention as a six, you know, a six foot, a six foot four defender or or striker at the back post would probably stand out like a lighthouse, wouldn't it? Whereas <laughs> when doesn't get the same attention, but he's not he's not going to score headers like that if he's challenging for the ball. You know what I mean? Nobody, he's not gonna, nobody's going to lose a header to him like that. It's a fact. That- he's moving that where he, he squares up with Yerry Mina and there's a great picture in our archive system of it and he's like the difference is like this much he's like literally looking up at him so if, yeah if they're marking against each other he's not going to win the header over Mina but you know be nippy get small move around get a bit of space and you know, the, the one that screams to mind from, from players gone by is Tim Cahill as well obviously for Everton he was great in the end he was only a, a small chap as well so I don't know what he was let's not get into the specifics of that but there must be other players who are good in the air you don't just have to be tall if you look at Diego, Diego Yotta, Yotta, yeah, Yotta, yeah, Diego Yotta at Liverpool, he scores tons of heady goals. He's not the biggest player mm. on the pitch by any means, so it's just intelligent movement, I think. And yeah, I didn't think when the, I mean, he had a couple of chances before then, didn't he, with with the usual smart movement around the edge of the box and, and trying his luck. I'm glad he got his reward because he's improved. Yeah. He's improved as we've gone on in the last couple of weeks. So I'm glad he's got his reward. Not only scored, but scored the goal that's proven to be the winner. Um, I think um, when, when Gerard first took over, we were looking at players who maybe most most benefit from Gerard's appointment. I think, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, I would say that Buendia has probably been our most improved player since Gerard's come in, would you say? Yeah, Buendia and Ram- Ramsey as well. I think although, you know, Ramsey was already making himself undroppable under under Dean Smith and managed to see off a lot more experienced midfielders. So I definitely definitely, definitely think those two have, have, have seen seen a real improvement in the game. Um it's funny uh, again our mate Darren, Darren Fletcher um <laughs> I, I like what he said about uh Buen like manages to complain with a smile on his face. Yeah. Which I think is quite it's quite a nice nice trait to have. Um <laughs> when he squared when he squared up to Mina it was weird because um I think he was pointing to his own chest one day saying, oh, look, you've hurt me here. There's a little, you know, almost pulling his shirt saying, you've hurt me here. And then, <laughs> then Big Mina was saying, well, you've hurt me here. Did <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> yeah. um, Let's rewind back to team news. We always we always talk through it like 10 minutes into the podcast and we're going back to before the game's even kicked off. But yeah, go back to half 11. Is that our best best 11, do you think, that side that we that we started with there? I think it's the, it's the one, the one, 
I'd have picked. I don't know whether that makes it the best eleven because I'd have picked <laughs> it, but it, it was the the obvious one. I don't suppose because Gerard can can do as he pleases and he'll, he'll make changes where he sees fit. But I think so. I think so. Um, I'm just trying to think how it how it all panned out. Most most of the players played well, didn't they? I think. Um, yeah. I think. I think Watkins sometimes needs to be a little bit more clinical in terms of the way he passes the ball, um, but but worked hard and, and, and works better without without Ings. It's hard, hard to judge it, isn't it? I'd, I'd like to see how, what that team does at, at Villa Park, where the ball's on the deck a little bit more, and Villa can actually try and take control of the game. It was it was never going to be a game that that they were going to seize control control over. They just had to compete. Really, uh, but I think I think it probably is. I think well, we don't know the way Villa signing players. It certainly is this week. <laughs> By the time we play again in a couple of weeks' time, I don't know. But yeah, it, it looks strong. Don't don't see any obvious weaknesses in that team right now. There's a comment here that says, "Not our best eleven, starting eleven. No, no, no." From Dean Smith, <laughs> not the Dean Smith. I wouldn't have thought. Um, but if it is, hi Dean, thanks for watching. Um, I'm being intrigued to see if people are watching, whether they're live or otherwise. I would like to see, like, what what is your best starting eleven if you if you were manager? Because somebody I tweeted that, and I think this is our best eleven. And someone said, "What about Bailey?" And yeah. Spent thirty odd million pounds only on Bailey, and to be honest, I've said before, he's almost like a figment of my imagination. To be honest, that does he play for us? Like, yeah. I've seen okay, him in well, and drabs. The last time was Everton, when is the last notable thing. Yeah. Well, um, let's, let's qualify it. It's our best of, in my opinion, it's our best available eleven. And yeah, I'm but and, and in the, the system you play, you anyway. I don't. Yeah, I don't know where Bailey goes. I don't know where Bailey does come into that and, and just start straight away. So uh, yeah, as it stands. Coutinho and, and Buendia are the tens, aren't they? Um, I suppose the contentious one that you would change if you were changing one of those at the moment is Coutinho, and it's mad to say that. Oh yeah, let's drop drop Coutinho, who's just coming as this this star player. Um, but yeah, not not his best performance today, and I think still still getting up to speed, isn't he? So I'm not not going to judge him too harshly. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's one of those games. I think he had a heady chance as well, didn't he? That that, that went close. Mm-hmm. That's probably his, his brightest moment. Um, yeah, I. It's probably his first, you know, he, 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 well, it definitely is his first start with Aston Villa after a brief cameo last week. So I think he's going to be a time. He's going to take a little bit of time to get him up to the the pace of the Premier League again. And B, it was just frenetic, wasn't he? It was just, mm. I don't know. I, I, I expect him. I expect Gerard, you know, making sure, you know, as long as everybody's fit and available to, to, to play the same team next time out. Uh, when is it? It's miles away, isn't it? It's something like 16 days. It's Leeds on like the yeah, 9th, 9th of February. February. Like that. Mm. So midweek. It's on BT again, isn't it? They were plugging it throughout the game. So it's Leeds and then... Uh, Got I think it is on Saturday. Around. Newcastle, yeah. So, yeah, again, we, I think we looked at this little period as an opportunity for points, didn't we? And you've got to build on that performance now, even though it is 16 days away. I think Gerald said that they're going to do like a mini pre-season and play couple of games behind closed doors you've got to build on that momentum now and try and get this 11 you know gelling together and everyone fit and up to speed well yeah you'd expect us and again I don't want to suddenly start getting carried away because we've won a game but you'd expect us to, to fancy ourselves to get four points minimum wouldn't you from the next two mm-hmm. games that's <laughs> been funny but Villa <laughs> we can be demanding as a fan base but I think think that almost the, the way the owners and Gerard have acted in this transfer window are, are almost encouraging us you know, they're demanding as yeah. well. So four points from, you know, I mean, the Leeds, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves and we'll, we'll, we'll speak about this nearer the time, but 
I feel we we owe Leeds one at Villa Park. Really, um, how did we get? I'm, I'm, I've got the, the Bamford hat-trick. Was that last season or the season before? I'm getting, getting it blurred. Uh, it was behind closed doors, wasn't it? I think. A couple of the best 11s are coming in and people are saying to play a two midfield of Louise and McGinn. Brendier is a 10, Bailey on the right, uh, Watkins on the left and Ings up front. Or Coutinho in the middle, Brendier out right, Brendier, uh, Bailey on the other side and Watkins up front. There is options there and I suppose that that's what having a, a good squad is, isn't it? Being able to chop and change it. But James says, why would you drop Coutinho? Drop Ramsey. Put Coutinho in the middle and, and drop, drop Ramsey to the bench. And then other people will say, you can't drop Ramsey. So... It's not a great yeah, job uh, being a football manager. We've said before, haven't we, about having you don't need to to shoehorn Watkins and Ings in the team. Having one on the pitch and one on the on the on the bench is, is mm. a good option. I don't see why that can't be the same. You know, we've spoken, haven't we, about about progress year on year being the you know three or four of your players that have been regular starters one one season, then becoming your bench players the, the next season. So yeah. to me. Leon Bailey, listen, the jury's out, but you would think, given what he's what is what he's done in Germany and, and the fanfare that greeted him in the couple of glimpses that we've had, you would think he would be a, an upgrade. You know, like last season, who was starting in our wide areas, Traore, Al Ghazi a little bit? Yeah. Is Coutinho an upgrade on those? Yes. You know, and who was on the bench? Trezeguet, Al Ghazi, is Bailey an upgrade on those? We'll have to wait and see, won't we, when he finally gets fit. But but probably yes. Yeah, <laughs> I think that I yeah, think we'll so, yes, say. But again, assume so, yeah. Yeah. Um just the, the conversation what we started with saying about, you know, kind of the levels between Villa and Everton now. I think that the, the most recent transfer business sums it up that, that we own some one of their most talented players, one of their most saleable assets in, in Dina for, for twenty five million. And we ship out El Ghazi, who's effectively you know, an off cast for for us building a better side and he goes out, out there on loan for the rest of the season and that's probably the the levels between the two isn't it and you, you've only got to think back what year are we now 2022 so four years or whatever of being, being in the championship and thinking oh we're miles behind the likes of Everton and now we're we're ahead of them and, and making strides to keep keep making that gap further yeah <laughs> you're right <laughs> no you're right it's, it's interesting you know it, I can't. I feel really harsh about this because El Ghazi has a special, special place, place in our hearts for for what he's done for us. Um, you know, obviously that that afternoon at May against Derby County will be be the one. But even despite then, he scored. And I know a lot of them come from the penalty spot, but he scored a lot of goals for us. Really, for for a wide player. Yeah, he was got ten last season, didn't he? I think back in the Premier League. So, but yeah. It's interesting that he's no longer, and there'll be there'll be a few people who fall by the wayside in this in this journey if we do get to somewhere near where we want to get to. But it's Al Ghazi's is one of those. So as much as to me that is a sign of Aston Villa on the up and going places, the place where he's ended up is a sign of a club in decline as well. Because yeah. to me, Al Ghazi is a top half of Championship, bottom half of the of the the Premier League. T- level player, which mm. I suppose is about right because Everton are bottom half of the Premier League and Aston Villa have marched into the top half with a <laughs> victory at Goodison Park, even Every if only tenth. a couple of hours. <laughs> is it 10th we are? Are we higher yeah. than that? Yeah. yeah that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about Ollie Watkins then. This is, again, just the debate that, that happens every single week and it's not whether him and, him and Ings should work together in the same team. It's whether it's now time to drop Watkins and, and stick Ings in there from the start. 
a couple of comments earlier on when we started said that there's a couple of lazy performances from Watkins now and he doesn't seem to be interested. I'm not quite sure whether I agree with that. There was that one little um, chance he had that just, just sprung to my way. Uh, brings the ball down, spins round, and I yeah. think he gets a shot away. Um, yeah. Again, got through early on that ball that Mina didn't didn't head away or let bounce, and he gets up, gets off the back of that. But yeah, Watkins isn't the Ollie Watkins of last season. Um, and for all his work, right, if a striker isn't scoring goals, they're at risk of being dropped, aren't they? Yeah, it's just a little bit of aggression for me, really, from from Watkins because I think he's a you know we know we know he's quick, we know. Technically, he's a good player. I think I think he can almost flip from one one week to the next. How good he is at protecting the ball, and how good he is at bringing people around him. But I'd I'd stick with him. I would. I'd, I'd, I'd give him a, a run of four or five, six games in the team, getting used to playing alongside Coutinho, getting used to playing alongside you know the new and improved um, Buendia, and see what he can do. Because I still think probably you know. I know Gerard's doing business that he wants Villa to, to go places quickly, but I I still think we're going to need one eye on the longer term project as well. And I think Ollie Watkins is probably going to be well, he's going to be more central to that than, than Danny Ings is. So I think to me, Watkins is your starter. Maybe judge him after five or six games in this system, and then decide if he's not doing the business, if he's not scoring enough goals, if he's not creating enough goals. You've got a brilliant alternative on the bench, but. I don't like giving up. I know people aren't saying give up on him just by taking him out of the team for a game or two, but I don't like giving up on players players that early. I think we've got to give him a chance to play his way back into form a little bit as well. I'm going to read a couple of comments. Christopher says, Watkins' problem is that he's too nice. He just needs to have a nasty side to his game. Ian says that he wasn't at his best. Dean Smith says, no, Watkins lost. That'll always be funny, won't it? Uh, Watkins lost the ball the most today. He's lacking what we need. It's costing us up front. And Keith says to me, Ollie Watkins doesn't seem as sharp as he was since playing for England. And finally, Steve says he spends too much time outside the box. And that is the, the trade-off, isn't it? If you want him to be involved in the play and help create chances, he's not going to be the man in the middle of the box to stick it in when the, when the chance does come. And, the flip side of that is that Danny Ings will be in the box when the chance comes, but if it's not, you know, the team isn't clicking because Danny Ings is just isolated away from it, the chance doesn't come in the first place. So I think I said a few podcasts ago, meld them together and you've got the perfect player. That perfect player doesn't exist. And I think, like you said, the, the long-term future, if Watkins sticks around and doesn't attract interest from somewhere else, is that Watkins is the one, isn't it? Just from the fact that he's younger than Danny Ings. I think so. And I, I think, you know, you're right. Watkins does a lot of, lot of his work outside the box but again that's what helps keep the team ticking so it's hard to you know it's hard to he can't get on the end of his own crosses he can't get, you know what I mean that that is the issue I thought he he did quite well with that well he didn't go do well because he put it wide but that opportunity there wasn't a great deal of space to manoeuvre I do think Pickford took him out a little bit I'm not sure whether yeah I was going to say was, was that a, was a penalty shout I think when I watched it in real time I thought penalty and then the replay, he was kind of on his way down before the contact came, I think, and there wasn't too much complaining about it. But yeah, I think he was sliding United, anyway to reach, Yeah, he was sliding onto the floor to, to reach the chance anyway, which he'd set up for himself with a, a neat first touch. So I wouldn't have liked seeing that penalty given against us. I think it had been mm. a bit harsh. But so there was that moment, wasn't there? There's was a moment at the start of the second half where he's, he's escaped down the right, and I think he's just put it behind Coutinho, is it? Coutinho in, in front of Ramsey. Um, I'd like to see. I'd like to see four or five matches with that front three to see what mm. they can do. Um, and 
you've got the option. If if none of them are performing particularly well after an hour, you can bring things on and, and, and change it around that, that way. And then if things comes on for the last half hour and grabs it by the, the scruff of the neck, you put him in the next game, don't you? But um, I don't think Watkins has done enough wrong yet or Ings has done... You know, it's, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because you can say, well, hang on. I, what, what, Ings hasn't done any worse or better than Watkins. Why don't you start with him? But I think you've got to decide which one and, and give them a chance to play themselves into form. Obviously, it's Leeds up next, and it's, it is 16 days away, I think, and you know, bearing on injuries and stuff in those little pre-season, mini pre-season games and all that kind of thing. Do you think Watkins is more benefited to playing against Leeds in terms of the work rate and stuff and, and being pressing it back against Leeds? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. They're an energetic team, aren't they? So if we can try and press them higher up the pitch and, 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 and not give them too much of our territory, that's a, a good starting point. Uh, seems like miles away. Well, it is miles uh, away. To be honest, so I'm gonna I'm gonna savor and bask in this. I think for a, for a, a week or so anyway. Yeah, weirdly, I thought it was the the away game, the rearranged game. We'd been slotted in for that midweek, and I realised it was a full midweek round of fixtures, and it was at home. So I've completely been thrown off. I mean, the second half today was saying just before we came on air, my girlfriend's family came round. Literally, as the second half was kicking off, and she answered the door, and they came in. And I was just like, obviously being polite and everything, but I was watching this, I got work to do, blah blah blah. Just turn the volume down and sit there and people talking and stuff and I feel like I've not really took any notice of the second half um, just but too, yeah, you're a little just bit too, too, you're just too um, too polite as a, as a potential <laughs> future son-in-law not, not, not what, what would you done? what would you done if that happens you just go oh, I'd go in the kitchen I'm watching the football yeah, but me, and, me and my wife bear in mind I'm early to mid 40s now me and my <laughs> wife have been together on and off since we were about 14, 15 so my in-laws know exactly what I'm like there you know, I've had, I've had times in the past, I won't bore you with all the family history, but times in the past where we've been around their house, particularly for, I don't know, a meal or to wider family are coming around and that kind of stuff. And I've been, this probably when I was actually grafting as a, as a journalist, but I've had to disappear for like three hours to take work phone calls and stuff like that. So <laughs> they know if I'm in a social mood, yes. I'm the life and soul of the party, but if <laughs> if it's something Aston Villa related that is more important, you've got to put your feet down, mate. You've, you've got to you've got to set oh. this out early, or she, shut the curtains she, when they knock on uh, the door. Pretend you're not in. A mum rang and she came in. and She said, "Oh, they're they're going to pop round. Is that is that all right?" I said, "Yeah, it's fine." But I'm still watching the football. Like second half's about to start. Like I'm not going to give up now. And then when they came, I said, oh, are you working?" And I said, "Yeah, I've got my laptop down there. I'm working, doing something." Um, Right, what else do we want to talk about? I think that's pretty much it. Do you want to talk about the, the Dean stuff and the celebration, the bottles being thrown and all that? Do you not want to mention it? Yeah, we can talk about it. It's, it's a disgrace, isn't is it? it? Really? I don't know what else, what else to say. Oh, it's, it's, it's out of order, isn't it? You know, and I don't know exactly who, I mean, Matty Cash and, and Luke Dean both went down being struck by something. Um, I don't know exactly what's hit them. I presume it was a plastic bottle with a lid on, you know, the done the old stick it stick stick the lid in your sock when you when you searched on your way in and, and done it like that. It's just and it's it's what it's a fairly close ground as well, Goodison. And I don't think well, they weren't trying to taunt the home fans or whatever. They were just celebrate that's where the ball had been delivered from. So that's yeah. where they went to went to celebrate. It's just it's just nonsense and it, you know, we can all we all get fed up and frustrated, but 
why don't you throw something at somebody? I don't, I don't yeah. get it. I mean, if I was sat in the low holt and you know, somebody scores up that end, three sides of the ground up that side of the home fans, that's, that's usually the case that you're going to be celebrating in front of home fans at some point. Yeah. Um, I've never, ever thought, oh, I'm going to chuck this bottle at somebody. Yeah. You know, people say when things like this happen. Yeah, stuff like that. But people say when things like this happen, like, oh, yeah, you know, they're, they're not proper football fans. They're, you know, they're just a minority. No, they are proper football fans. They're wearing the shirt like everybody else. They pay their money to come to the game and they do stupid things like that. Um, my, my first thought when I was watching on TV is that um, Dean and Cash had clashed heads celebrating, is what I first thought. Because that's. I didn't think of something like a bottle being thrown because I just assumed better of people not to do something like that. I thought they'd celebrate and whack their heads together. But for them both to be hit by a coin or a bottle or whatever it might have been, a missile, I think Sky Sports scored it. Um, yeah, just a joke, disgrace. And then there was a picture that Ash posted of it and there's like fans in the background like laughing and jeering and stuff. So people say, oh, it's, you know, it's only one guy throwing stuff. But people around it are laughing and joking. So it's good. <laughs> yeah, listen. It's, it's and there'll be Everton fans that stumble upon this. I know they're not all like it. It wasn't the whole stadium and blah, blah, blah. But those people that were involved in that, it's come. Yeah, but if it was Villa fans who were doing that at yeah. Villa Park, we'd, we'd call them out as well, wouldn't we? Because there's just no need for it. Um, exactly. Every club's got the more than their fair share of idiots, sadly. Yeah. Um, don't know what else to talk about. I think that's probably pretty much the last thing. Is there anything else you wanted to mention? Any other players specifically you wanted to go through? Ming's performance, maybe. There's a few comments about him, like always. Um, his performance, there's a couple of sloppy moments, but overall did okay, I think. Who was that, sorry? Tara Mings. Yeah, a couple of passes out of play and a couple of, um, you know... I mean, if they'd scored from that corner, <laughs> yeah. roll it out, yeah, very different yeah. story. You could, just, you could just see what what would be trending on Twitter, couldn't you? You could, yeah. just, see, you could just see it coming, but fortunately it was, it was dealt with. Um... <clears throat> <laughs> I made the only note that uh, that we haven't discussed that I've made, and it's just me. You've I'm made so notes. Good. Well, not I've got. I haven't Man, I've got, so I've got. I just jot things down, and this is this is no. There's no real reason to mention this other than it amused me because I'm a child. Just towards the end, when we were trying to see out the game, and um, it's probably because he's ex-Blues actually, but Damari Gray tried to um, tried to get a ball across down the left, end up playing a one-two off his own head, and it just amused me. <laughs> Just because I don't know whether you saw it, you might have been <laughs> passing around the custard cruise by then to the in laws, but uh, he just kind of whacked, whacked the ball and it bobbled up and hit him straight in the face. And it just, it just, it just abused me. But like I said, that's because I'm a, I'm a juvenile idiot. Um, but no, it was a very, very impressive, um, very needed and welcome three yeah. points. To be honest, yeah, I think I think needed more so than than good. I don't think it was a particularly brilliant game of football. I think it was. Like somebody said earlier, it had that kind of derby feel to it for some reason, that kind of high energy atmosphere, that kind of stuff. Important not to slip up there, though, and let that get on top of you and give away a silly mistake. And Everton, you know, bounce back in the second half. Professional, get the job done, take the three points back to Birmingham and, and move on to the next game. And that's what Villa haven't done for a long time. Well, yeah, and a very welcome clean sheet for for yeah. Amy Martinez, who has signed a new contract yeah. and uh, said he wants to win the Champions League by the end of it. So, uh, <laughs> no pressure on then. <laughs> uh, just quickly on that, that's a big deal, isn't it? That that new that that new deal to to sign a, a keeper that's genuinely world class and one of the best in the league to sign him up for another five years, five and a half years is that's a big statement from Villa. Definitely, yeah, I think. Um, <sighs> It's weird, you know, because I don't don't want to be the, the world's biggest cynic, but will Gerard be here for the length of that? That that's that's an interesting thing. But whether he is or not, to, 
to pin down probably one of the best two or three goalkeepers in the Premier League for, for that length of time, for the prime of his career, shows yeah. that whatever they're selling our players as a project, people are um, people are really starting to believe in. Have you, um, have you heard the Emmy Martinez chant that they were singing today? Uh, if it was in the second half, no. Hang on, I don't think it's... A number one, a number one, What was that middle bit after his name? He signed forever or something, was it? Yeah, he signed for Villa, he signed forever, I think. <laughs> good, that's all right, yeah, I don't want that. So I enjoyed that, it's a good effort, that is. So whoever's pushing that video, sorry, I better... Um, Credit them. Dave, by the way, shared that on Twitter. So loving your work, Dave. That's a, that's brilliant. I'll try and uh, try and join in on that. Message uh, message Dave and see if we can nick it and stick it on, stick it on Facebook. That's what we do with everything else. Carrot shirt, carrot shorts. Big fan of that, yeah. Do you not a fan? Nah, no, nah, I need a bit mm. of um, need a bit of white short action in there. We've played it in it a few times and I, I don't think we tend to win because I always seem to remember making a point of tweeting about it because I like it and then we lose and I always think, oh, I stitched that. It feels like that's the first time we've won in, in full claret. How many shirts did Jacob Brown to get through three on it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bizarre. That, that they, shirt. They are or... made, they're not the same as the replica shirts, are they? Because our mate Darren on the commentary was saying, you know, you think for how, how expensive they are, they'd, they'd be a bit more. Mm. But I think they're, they're made different, aren't they? So the, the fabric's looser and more breathable, I believe. <sighs> yeah, have to get your, um, have to get your kit man back on and let us know. I mean, what a... say that, you say that though, but that, I don't know who it was, the, the Everton player, but he's he's pulled onto him to try and not fall over, hasn't he? Yeah. And the weight of a grown man What's pulling on shirt that hard, he's, yeah. he's going to rip it, isn't it? It's not like he's just tugged in. It was, uh, yeah, whatever. Um, weirdly, another, another stupid point, I quite like it when two teams play in their home kits. I don't know why. I don't know how I explain that. It's just that seeing Villa in current blue is what you expect. Seeing Everton yeah. in blue is what you expect. So seeing them both play each other in their home kit just is aesthetically pleasing to me for some reason. It's all just a commercial rip-off anyway. Isn't it? Let's, let's face it. They could just wear bibs, couldn't they? The away team could just wear bibs or <laughs> or, or wear skins or whatever. You know, so just, just a rip-off. Anyway, uh, going... now. we should have ended it five minutes ago. Yeah, so thank so. you everyone for sticking with us. Thank you, Matt, for your time as always. I don't know what we're doing now in terms of content because obviously Villa don't play for two weeks. So there'll be something transfer-related stuff, transfer deadline day, that kind of thing. Um, so subscribe to the channel, put your notifications on, all that kind of stuff, and you'll see what we're posting and when we post it. Um, yeah, and we'll, we'll catch you again soon. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.